1: Welcome to the Bright Vibe Podcast. At Bright Vibe, we believe everyone deserves to be happy. But in today's world, everywhere you turn, there is division and negativity. At Bright Vibe, we have created a global movement to bring 8 million people together who are inspired to live bright, live bold, and share bright vibes. Alone, it can be hard to change, but together we can change the world. Welcome to the Bright Vibe Podcast. Well, Sylvia Baffour, welcome to the Bright Vibe Podcast. So happy to have you on today.
0: Thank you. Thanks so much for having me.
1: Yes. So you're an executive coach. You're also a professional speaker. And the thing that you're an expert in is really emotional intelligence. And mm-hmm. and I can't think of probably a better time in the world, right? There's probably never been a better time in the world. You know, 100 years ago, that wasn't even a term, right? Probably 20 years ago, it was barely a term, I would guess. You're the expert. You'll have to, you know, you can bring <laughs> us up on some of the history of the words emotional intelligence. But you're an expert in emotional intelligence, and it seems like that's something we need more than we ever have. What's your take on that?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think we can all agree that having gone through two, three years of really turmoil and disruption with the pandemic and all of that, and now with all the global strife that's happening around the world, I think the the idea of being more mindful about the way we're moving through this world has never mattered more. You know, and mm-hmm. uh, we're still polarized, and we've almost forgotten how to agree to disagree, right? How to have people mm-hmm. in our circles who don't think like us don't look like us don't believe that what we believe and still can feel seen and valued you know in those spaces and i think it's it's important for us to find a way to get back to that because on a human level that's that's fundamentally what we need right we're hardwired for connection and Emotional intelligence is the skill set that allows us to form those meaningful connections that we all crave to have more of, you know? Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, we, that term is used all the time. I mean, anybody who's in leadership or anybody who's in business or anybody who's in, in the world right now has heard the term emotional intelligence. How would you define emotional intelligence?
0: Yeah, you know, it's, it's a question I often get, Matt. And I like to just break it down simply. And I say simply, how aware are you of your emotions at any given moment of the day? And how much do you care about the impact your emotions are having on you and the people around you? So to me, that's emotional intelligence in a nutshell. You know, how aware are you of your emotions and how much do you care about the impact those emotions have on you and the people around you?
1: Mm -hmm. And so, well, actually, I moved to Asheville, North Carolina, which is uh, new for me. I lived in Kansas for 45 years, something like this, 45 years, and then moved to- (laughs) I love Asheville. Oh, do you? Yes. It's new for us. So my family relocated my family and really it was a lifestyle thing. But I say that to say that every day I I start my day off hiking and or almost every day uh, I spend my first hour hiking in the woods. And as I do Mm -hmm. that, I contemplate on a lot of things, right? So I've got time and I'm by myself. So I can think and I've really noticed in my own in myself and as I reflect, you know, my experience of other people that every decision that we ever make where every aspiration that we ever have is always tied to an emotion. There's some feeling I'm trying to get from that thing. For me, hiking, I'm trying to get a sense of peace or a sense of connection. The move to Asheville, similarly that. So, well, I don't think that there's any decision. I don't care how minor or how major that from the food we buy to the things we watch, that's not driven by some almost craving for some sense of a feeling you know, emotion and feeling, I think are kind of cousins here, or maybe two sides of the same coin. But it's like, if I really think about my life, everything I do, everything Mm -hmm. I do from the minute I wake up, it's trying to get a feeling and Mm then, and then it's tied to emotion. And if I'm not careful and certainly feel free to analyze me, that's what I love, you know, I get to do these podcasts, and people come on and tell me how screwed up I am, and I love that.
0: But, for free, yeah, for free, right? Well,
1: sort of, yes. But it seems like that there's almost this, uh, as a society as a whole. Now, I'll go a little brighter. It seems like there's almost this insatiable appetite to feel things, so to feel something, to feel more mm. confident, more certain, more popular, more loved, more accepted. So, so what's my relationship with emotion, and what's my relationship with the feeling? Is what I've been contemplating mm. lately. But I'm not the expert. I'm just a guy walking in the woods. So, so what? Do you, so, what are you? What? What's your thoughts?
0: I mean, I think you nailed. You hit the nail on the head, right? That everything we do is because of a feeling we desire to to have, and whether we're conscious of it or not, right? And mm-hmm. it's also Matt the reason why when people leaders tell people to leave emotions at the door, right? It's, <laughs> it's foolish, right? I mean, right. we are emotional beings, and I I love the way you put it that that everything we do is really in a quest to feel something. Now, I think one of the things that's important for us to always try to differentiate is between, is the idea that we are not our emotions, right? This Mm -hmm. separation between what we feel and who we are. When we get to, and it's part of the reason I I really shy away from using the term negative emotions, you know, sort of Mm -hmm. categorizing them as negative and positive, because in my eyes, anything we brand as negative, we're in a quest to escape, to to get away from, to detach. And yet even those, Emotions, anger, fear, and sadness are are there to teach us something. We're meant to learn from them. Uh, they help us know that we crave something else, right? And right. so, it's an interesting way that you you put it because it gave me the visual that you wake up at every moment mm-hmm. you are doing things to get to certain feelings. And yeah, and obviously we want more good feelings than the yes. ones that challenge us. You know?
1: Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. Because I I just really look at say, okay, why am I working out? Why am I doing cold plunges? Why am I walking in the woods? Why am I eating this or why am I eating that? And it's not that every second of the day I'm analyzing everything I do. It's not that, but when I stop to mm-hmm. think about it, it's like it's driving because I want to. Your point, I want to feel these positive emotions. If I'm not feeling good, maybe I drink something with a little caffeine in it, or maybe I drink, some, you know, eat a piece of chocolate or something. I'm trying to or a artific- glass of wine, <laughs> yeah, yeah, or a glass of wine. Um, I'm trying to artificially stimulate something, a positive feeling. Versus, I'm escaping a feeling, trying to move towards a, a better feeling. I'm trying to upgrade a feeling. When there's really no upgrade, right? I'm, typically, it's an escape, right? Mm-hmm. If you know, I've been looking at lately like addictions. So, whether you're, people are addicted to social media or TV or pornography or drugs or sex, whatever it is, whatever people are, it's typically they're running from some emotion or some feeling. And maybe we need to define those two things because I don't know that I'm real clear on that, but they're running from some emotion or feeling. They're trying to almost escape. Right. And that's so I'm trying to self-medicate through one of these things, probably and or I'm trying to find this maybe unrealistic sometimes feeling of euphoria or connectedness or love. We could call it love. Right. So Mm. I'm kind of running from fear of something toward and I'm trying to find love, but it's all based on emotion and feeling because my experience and your experience of the exact same, you know, if we're both in a car accident, we could have two very different uh, meanings to what we give that car accident, and it's totally our filters and what we're trying, right? What we're feeling and and the emotions we're trying to get. I'm trying to dial in on what do I want to do with that, right?
0: I mean, it's you know, but I think what we overlook as well is, like you said, it's, it's sort of an escape. But mm-hmm. we need to sit with the idea that even those other emotions, the difficult mm-hmm. ones like sadness and fear, yeah. are what also make us feel alive, right? And yeah. and also allow us to get to points in our lives where we have gratitude, right? Because right. You know, I grew up in countries around the world that have summer throughout the year. There is no fall, no sum no spring, right? Just no uh-huh. seasons. And so a 75 degree day blue sky, to, I take it for granted, right? Because right. that's the experience, you know, like when I lived in Nairobi or something. And yet, so the the, the sadness allows us to then have gratitude for the moments when we're not feeling sad any longer, right? But even those other emotions allow us to feel alive. It, it's unrealistic. And I think it's toxic. It's dangerous for us to be building a society with social media where the endorphins, Right? we, we just have to constantly feel happy and elated and joy and all those quote unquote, good emotions, you know what I mean? Right, it's mom? But the human experience includes fear and sadness and anger because we're all going to suffer loss and, and experience grief. And then mm-hmm. we get to a point where we, we almost don't know how to sit with the difficult emotions, which create more problems for us because we're trying to escape them. Instead of experience them, mm-hmm. I heard someone say life is brutal, right? It's beautiful and brutal, <laughs> right. you know, even in the fear and the sadness, just it to be able to be aware that you're alive, right? That I am feeling mm-hmm. fear in this moment and rolling with the punches, right? Mm-hmm. Because the, the, you're not always going to be in that state the same way. We're not always going to be happy. And when we are sad, then we're, we're turning to drugs and other things to soothe and anesthetize and escape when mm-hmm. it could just be, you know what, today I'm sad. Right. You know, in, in our culture, we don't teach a lot of that. Just sit with the sadness. It doesn't right. mean anything wrong. It means you're alive right. and, and right. you have a spectrum of, of emotions to feel.
1: Totally. And I really like how you frame that because that's kind of what I'm coming to as well. It's like the emotions and the feeling are there to be with. If I really listen, they're probably there to teach me something. But also, I've been more focused on not being hijacked by them, right? So mm-hmm. So anger, I have a propensity to sometimes... I'm a passionate person. And so if something angers me, for the most part, I'm really good, but it's weird things, right? It's like yesterday I'm on, you know, with my credit card company, because there's a charge that came through and I don't think that they should have allowed it through and I'll blah, 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 blah. And so I'm mad, right? I, (laughs) I start irritated at the beginning of the call and I'm like, this is silly, right? This is silly, but I was angry. And so I just, after the call, I, you know, I was just with, the fact that I was angry. And then mm-hmm. for me, I moved quickly to I'm human and I just got to forgive myself for being angry. It, it just shows me how unevolved I am and how evolved I am at the same time. Right. When I say evolved in the emotional intelligence realm, it was like, OK, so I can handle a lot of other things that you would think would be big, emotional, right stuff. And I'm just like, oh, got that, got that. I weathered that. And, you know, oh, OK, I'm feeling it. And then a, a little dispute on my credit card for a couple hundred dollars just Like, I lose it. Yeah. I'm like, okay, well, we got some work to do still over there in that department. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And, you know, you you bring up a good point, Matt, because with your experience, because I I did a keynote presentation a couple of weeks ago for a financial company. And one of the Q&A questions I got at the end was a lady who grew up, I think, in Eastern Europe somewhere. And she said, Uh you know, Sylvia, all growing up, my mother always said in any interaction, the angry person is the one who loses. Is that right? My mother always told me this. I've heard that. Yeah. And I thought about it for a, a hot second because that's all I had. I said, you know, I beg to differ because I think the angry person who mismanages the emotional response is the one who loses. Right. It's right. I'm allowed to feel angry. We're not robots. And and the person who never allows themselves to feel anger is the person I fear the most. Right. right? Because, right. They're just <laughs> because at it some
1: up. point that atom bomb is going to go off. Absolutely. And it's gonna, there's going to be nothing. Explosion. Either internally or externally. Right. Yeah. So there's there's going to. Yeah. Yeah. Disease in the inside, or there's going to be disease on the outside, disease yeah. on the
0: outside, right? Both are bad, right? right Someone's being bad. impacted. So, no, that makes sense that, uh, yeah, it happens. We're all human, you know?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, from your, you know, as an expert on, on emotional intelligence, I guess, what do you see is going on? Just we can just talk maybe globally or when you look at social media, I think, what do you think is going on? And then the second part of that, I think we'll get into is kind of what are some ways to navigate. Uh, the world that we're living in. You deal with a lot of companies, you coach executives, kind of what are you seeing if we kind of generalize it? And then what's the better way? What's the better path?
0: Yeah. I mean, to make room for the differences of others in the perspectives that we we hold, right? If I sit and agree with you on the way you view the world, then I'm giving up on what I stand for, you know? Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. uh, Let me put it this way. You know, I once heard a a quote, I read it actually, and I thought it was pretty profound and so much so that I memorized it because uh, Brene Brown, who I'm sure lots Uh of your listeners are familiar with, I think she really encapsulated it because where I'm going to is the idea of empathy, right? It's Mm -hmm. We talk about like a buzzword, but what does it really mean in action? And Brene's quote said, we need to dispel the myth that uh, empathy is walking in someone else's shoes. And she said, rather than walking in your shoes, I need to learn how to listen to the story you tell about what it's like in your shoes and believe you, even when it doesn't match my own experiences. And I think globally, that's a lot of what we're having a harder time with, is this idea of, you know, just making room. I mean, think about it, decades ago, I, I don't think we were quite as polarized, right? Or, right. or yeah. so intolerant totally. of yes. other people's views, right? right. And even in, in organizations, you know, a leader is expecting people to, you're going to lead everyone your team one way, not knowing that somebody wants to be validated with, and email recognition company-wide. Mm-hmm. Another person just wanted the $100 gift card, right? right. And, and it may seem like work because leadership is work, right? The idea that you have to get to know a little bit about your team members, it sounds like work, and yet it's, it's actually what creates that sense of belonging and the culture of safety that companies seem to be trying so hard to create, right? So for mm-hmm. all of us, it's, can we just think of others a little differently, you know? We're so steadfastly stuck in our perspectives we forget we're human, but you know, you know what's funny, Matt? I was saying to a girlfriend of mine the other day, and I said to her, there's three places that bring us all back to our humanity. The most humbling three places I could think of was the graveyard, mm-hmm. the, the cancer ward, mm-hmm. right? Even if you're mm-hmm. just there for a visit mm-hmm. and sitting next to a stranger in the middle of major turbulence in an aircraft, right? <laughs> I mean, you think about it, it's right. like this perfect stranger yeah. who maybe you didn't even bother to say hi to as you sat down for this 12 hour flight. In the middle of thinking you're going to die, all of a sudden become your twin brother or sister. I mean, literally, (laughs) right? right? Like, It's for us to have these moments where we think about, can we live our lives in that space of turbulence on an airplane, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. walking through a cancer ward as the visitor and not the patient? and the person visiting the cemetery to see a loved one, right? Like mm-hmm. we always wait for these grand moments before we get back to our humanity. And I think that's what's afflicting us globally is that we we should not be waiting for those big moments to get back to remembering who we are. We all crave to feel valued and seen and feel a sense of belonging. And yet, how often are we not extending that to other people, you know? Right. And it's it's just logical if more of us are making room for others to feel seen and valued, even as we disagree with them mm-hmm. and their positions, if more of us are doing that, guess what? Be very we very increasingly have a world where there's there's much more tolerance and more humanity. And we're not having to wait for the turbulent moments in the aircraft to mm-hmm. remember that I could be gone at any minute and I need to appreciate what I have, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. You know, I, it reminds me, I was uh, in Australia for a business conference many years ago. And I ended up just happenstance, you know, it was a global conference and at the brec- I was in the breakfast line or something and, you know, it had basically our name in the country we were from. And there was a gentleman, I think he was behind me or in front of me in the, the buffet line or the breakfast line. And I believe he was from, I think he was from Iraq. Yeah, he mm-hmm. was from Iraq. He was a businessman from Iraq. And I think I, he either engaged or I did. I can't remember, but it was kind of like, hey, do you want to just sit down and have breakfast? He's like, sure. And so we sat and we had a beautiful conversation. This is like 15 years ago. So this was pre 9-11. There was, you know, there's pre a lot of stuff. But he was like, you know, we don't hate. The general population people don't hate Americans. That's just the government. You know, and I was like, really? You know, and ultimately it came down to, you know, he wanted to, you know, run his business and take care of his employees. He wanted to, you know, to love his family and have his family feel supported and safe. There was just a lot of commonality in it, even though politically, maybe, you know, we didn't even get into politics. But, you know, it's like, where can we find those, the common ground, I guess, or the common bonds to some degree to be more human? It feels like we dehumanize another person, because we don't agree with their opinion, that opinion becomes them. We color them with their opinion. And I'm, I don't agree with their opinion. So therefore I reject them as a human being. It's like, that's not, that's not how this is supposed to work. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think even, you know, it it just speaks to the fact that maybe there's a question we can ask ourselves each morning, like even for the people we most disagree with, what is one way I can better connect to their humanity. What is one thing I could ask them that will humanize them to me more? Right. Just because you're right, you sit down with this person. It's mm-hmm. the reason why when people are hijacking you sometimes, well, not always the case, but you know, when you are in danger situations and they talk about trying your best to humanize yourself to the person who's causing mm-hmm. you harm, yeah. it can make a difference. Like, oh my God, this isn't just a, a white face or a black face, right? Yeah. It's like, you know, she has a, history and a, and a story. Mm-hmm. And so you're right. And I think for all of us, there's, there's got to be a question we can ask ourselves each morning to say, you know, what is one way that I can see more of your humanity? And then just try it every day, right? And and we start to look for more of what we have in common because you're right. We fundamentally all want the same things. and We're going about it in different ways. And we just need to make room for others to recognize that others want what we want, mm-hmm. you know? Yes.
1: They may be going about it a different way or through a different because all of us have different life experiences, right? So wake up every day and think about it. How do we actualize that? How do we actualize engaging with other people and meeting? I mean, what would some of that look like or what does it look like in your life? And, you know, how are you stretching or, or reaching out to do that as a practice, right? I mean, I can think it and I can read a book and I can wake up in the morning and go, yeah, I need to be nice to other people or I need to love, love others as my neighbor, as myself type thing. But ultimately, how do we actually do this thing?
0: Yeah. And I mean, I think of various ways this could happen, mm-hmm. right? I think of even if we say, I want to be more inclusive, right? I want to be more inclusive of people's differences. Then maybe the way it actually presents itself is that you're the person, especially if you're in a position of decision making power of mm-hmm. any kind, mm-hmm. you, you know, you're stopping. I call the two by two rule, right? Sitting down to think, okay, I'm about to make a decision that's going to impact somebody's life. What are two reasons somebody might agree with this decision? And literally write that down in your head or on the paper. And then what are two reasons somebody might disagree with my decision that I'm about to make or I've just made? Mm -hmm. And the idea that you are forcing yourself to think about a dissenting voice and dissenting perspective, is going to, first of all, lower your guard and your ego when you get into a situation where a dissenting voice is in contact with you because you've done the work behind the scenes to think about, hey, this is a reason why Matt could disagree with what I just did. You know, so it just opens up for more conversation. I think you know, one of the other things is we've got to get better at managing our emotional triggers, right? Because mm-hmm. you just well, talked, shared a story about yeah. being triggered by this credit card transaction. Right. We all have triggers. In my coaching practice or in my keynotes, I'll have people say, Sylvia, you know, the idea of managing your emotions in those testy moments sounds well and good. But when I'm fired up, I just have to ride the wave and deal with the aftermath, right? I can't help <laughs> myself, right? We all know people, maybe it's ourselves, where we, right. we say, I can't help myself. You trigger me by a disrespectful conversation. I'm going all out. I'm going to cuss you out. Mm -hmm. And I remember doing an experiment with, uh, actually it wasn't an experiment. It was one of my former clients right before we were done with our sessions. um, She told me about a story of going to a 7-Eleven. And this is somebody who did not have emotional control when it came to her triggers. And she says to me, you know, I went to 7-Eleven the other day and this uh, woman was begging me outside the store and I just smiled at her, but I walked right into the store and I bought all the things I needed. And I also bought a gift card and I come out of the store and I'm walking towards her to hand her this gift card when all of a sudden she just snaps her fingers and she's like, what am I gonna do with that? And she was saying, Sylvia, pre-coaching out of Custer, I'd put the gift card in right. my pocket and stormed off, right? Because right. well, that's what we'd all do because we're trying to do right. something nice. And right. she says, but in that moment, you were all up in my head because I had helped her with this process I call shifting phrases, right? Like a shifting phrase is anything that we can use that's ours that buys us five to 10 seconds of time from the moment we're triggered. So mm-hmm. for instance, when she's triggered by what feels disrespectful, instead of her storming off as she'd have done in the past, she said to herself, shifting phrase, shifting phrase, shifting phrase. And I, I couldn't believe she's actually using this tool you know, in <laughs> right, real yeah. life, right? right? And she says, okay, Sylvia, so I walked a couple more steps and I thought to myself, could it be that this woman didn't mean to be this rude, right, that's her mm-hmm. shifting phrase because it's shifting mm-hmm. her mind. Yep. So she then starts explaining to the woman what she wanted to do with a gift card. She says, listen, I didn't want to walk into 7-Eleven and just assume, buy things I assumed you'd want or even need. I wanted you to have the freedom to go and get your own, you know, what yeah. you needed most. And the woman's a bit embarrassed and she's grateful and say, like, thank you for thinking of me this way, but I can't go into the store. And she says, but why can't you go into 7-Eleven? She says, because the owner won't allow me into a store. I don't have any shoes on. Mm. And so my client says, she starts feeling all this compassion for this woman who a few seconds ago would have just going to storm off, curse her out, right? And she right. said, okay. She talks to her and says, okay, what, what would you like? I'll go and get it for you with a gift card. And then she also asked her about her shoe size. Unfortunately, they didn't match. Mm-hmm. And so she goes in and she says, I want to get a whole pizza pie if you can, because I want to have some for lunch and dinner mm-hmm. and some for tomorrow's meals as well. And my client says, Sylvia, I had never had to engage in food accounting before. That's just mm-hmm. a privilege. It's a luxury right. that I have, right? So she buys the pizza pie, gifts the woman, they part ways and go their separate ways. And she said, Sylvia, you won't believe this. For the last three weeks, every other day, I've been walking back to 7-Eleven to look for this woman because I had a pair of size nine shoes to give her. And guess what? She never came back to that particular store. Mm -hmm. And she said, but you know, the most profound thing, and this is what I love about my coaching clients is I learn as much from them as I hope they learn from me. Mm -hmm. And she said, Sylvia, now, whenever I walk around and I'm triggered by what feels like a disrespectful moment, Mm -hmm. condescending conversation, Mm -hmm. I stop and I say to myself, could this be a 7-Eleven moment? Oh, and nice. So I, I, and through that, I said, you know, you've given me a new phrase. <laughs> right. right now, it's called, right. I call that platinum shifting phrase a PSP. It's uh-huh. because it's rooted in a lived experience that had a productive mm-hmm. outcome and was personal to you. So, Matt, what I tell her and others is that now, whenever she's triggered by what feels Mm -hmm. disrespectful, if she stops and says, could this be a 7-Eleven moment, it's going to help her manage her trigger in a way that you and I wouldn't be managed because it wasn't our experience, right? Mm -hmm. So in time, if we all keep practicing and shifting our phraseology when we're triggered, we will eventually have our very own PSPs that will Mm -hmm. help us in those difficult moments, right? Because Mm -hmm. isn't that the quest to just try to be better than you were yesterday? Right. Yeah. You know?
1: Totally. Totally. I love that. And I love the fact that, you know, she was kind of stretched outside of her comfort zone and, and leaned in. And then what she received was much more than what she gave, right? I mean, I don't do those things enough. And when I do, I'm always humbled because no matter what I have said or done or given or or whatever, there's always an outcome that I'm just not expecting. That's, I shouldn't say that's always better, but nine times out of 10, it's just like, I'm amazed by just human nature when Mm. you in and when you're, when you try to do something, a lot of times that's reciprocated in a way that I was not necessarily expecting. Um, yeah. so, uh, I think that's a good reminder that doing nice things for people and not just homeless people, but nice things for all people. That's how we grow. That's how we learn, right? That's yeah. how we evolve.
0: Right. So we don't always have to curse people out and storm off, right? Like, and <laughs> and I, I think sometimes is there maybe an exhaustion between this idea of why do I always have to be the bigger person, right? Why right. do I have yeah. to be the one? But why not you know mm-hmm. so who who are we waiting for to manage the emotional triggers you know properly and sometimes you find in those testy moments that that person was coming from a very difficult place right and mm-hmm. they were reacting the idea that hurt people hurt people right and right. Mm-hmm. and sometimes people see your humanity and it reminds them to come bring their level down a, a notch right and so right. we can do what we can to inspire better behavior in ourselves mm-hmm. and others you know
1: so i had the credit card thing and then i had a, somebody texting me some stuff that just I don't normally have in my world and it wasn't, you know, true, but they weren't happy with me. And so they were telling me why they weren't happy with me, which doesn't happen to me very often, honestly. but it did that. So those two things. And so I was triggered, got triggered a little bit by that. So I had the mm-hmm. credit card thing. And, and as I breathed into it and was experiencing it by the end of the night, I was super thankful that I mm-hmm. had been shown the areas in which I have wounds. Here's the lens I'm looking through life right now, which is basically I look at that and said, okay, here's places where I'm still triggered, but I'm triggered because there's an underlying wound. There's an underlying emotional thing that hasn't been resolved or hasn't been dealt with that I'm coding or suppressing or holding down because if it had been dealt with, these wouldn't be triggers for me anymore. So at this point, I was like actually super grateful that I was at least shown the opportunity and given the opportunity to breathe in and practice emotional intelligence, practice, Mm -hmm. even though I, even though I didn't do well, like on a scale of one to 10 with the credit card company, I was probably a two. Yeah, and, and and with this other person, probably a four out of ten, <laughs> right? But at least I was shown that you know where the work needs to take place, and given some insight into okay, I've still got something here that needs to defend a position. Yeah, right? when I feel I've been wronged in some way, I'm still trying to defend something instead of just leaning all the way in. And like you talked about with this lady, thinking about more, even more about you know where they're at and what's happening in their world and what they're experiencing that. Obviously, if they're acting poorly, it's because they are in a certain level of stress or hurt or they have a wound that's sitting there. So we've got two wounded people, hurt people, hurt people. We have two hurt people bumping heads, and that's what a lot I think we see in the world today, that we're avoiding the actual, what am I actually running from? Where's the wound? Let's treat the wound, not just, uh, say know, clean off the blood or whatever, right? Let's get to what what's causing the, the bleeding. So
0: Yeah, yeah. And you know what's interesting? Something you, ma- you mentioned mm-hmm. that got on my radar is, in my humble opinion, I feel like our triggers mm-hmm. are always going to be with us. But I think the way that we are impacted by them is what can improve and change over time, right? So I think a trigger in itself isn't bad, right? It is right. just, it's, it's sort of that yes, signal sign, that, right? yeah. absolutely, I'm always going to be triggered by what feels like a disrespectful conversation. Mm-hmm. Now, what happens after that? The shifting phrases, right? The self-talk, the different things, is what shows me that I'm growing. I'm mm-hmm. always going to be triggered by seeing someone getting bullied, right? Yes.
1: well, yeah, that's um, a bad one for me. <laughs> but
0: how I behave, right? Maybe in the right. past, I'm cussing out, punching someone in yep. the face. Yep. Not that I do that ever. Right. My right. twin brother would disagree, <laughs> but <laughs> but you know what I mean. That's what improves yes. and changes right. over time. So it's a little bit unrealistic for us to feel like. I'm going to get to the point where I'm never triggered by a condescending conversation. Maybe if you're a Buddhist monk, okay, we can give you that, right? <laughs> I think for the rest of us, it's like, it's okay to have our triggers. Right. What's even better is to know that we are less negatively impacted by them, that we actually, we've done the work that says, I'm angry, I'm triggered in this moment. But instead of slapping Chris Rock in the face as Will Smith did, <laughs> I'm doing something else, right? It, and right. it's funny, I actually ask my audiences a lot when I show talk about the shifting phrase, I say, you know, after they really understand the power of the shifting phrases and hear Mm the 7-Eleven story, I say, raise your hand if you believe that gentleman, you know, and I put his face, you know, the whole slapping picture. Uh And I'm like, raise your hand if you think that he could have benefited from a shifting phrase that night of the Oscars, right? (laughs) And and I said, yeah, because, and then I start to ask the audience, what are those shifting phrases you'd have used? Someone says, he could have said, is it possible that's a joke?
1: Is it possible
0: it's part of the script, right? I would say, Could it be that Chris didn't mean to offend my wife, right? So no matter what triggers you emotionally, whether it's someone looking at you crazily, whatever, a shifting phrase like that would have helped prevent him from getting up 11 steps and storming to the stage. It just buys us a few seconds of time until, so we can assume positive intent because either way we're making up stories, right? Right. That's sort of what I think about in answering your question in a very long-winded way, you know? (laughs) That's
1: what, you're a speaker. This is what you get paid to do, (laughs) right? Help bring insight and wisdom. And so on that, as we kind of wrap up today's podcast, and thank you so much for coming on, but I like to kind of end each show with a nugget of wisdom that's kind of a global nugget of wisdom. So if there was from your experiences, your education, your, everything you've done, everything you've navigated in life, is there one piece of wisdom that you would want to impart to every human being would be like, hey, if you only know this for the rest of your life, what is this one thing that you would want people to know?
0: Wow, that's a lot of pressure there, Matt.
1: This is why I don't get paid the big dollars. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah.
0: Well, thankfully for me, one thing comes really to yes. mind because yeah. I, I try to live it out every day. It's the idea that we all want to have meaningful and sustained connections with other human beings. So the one thing, wisdom I would impart is every day and in every interaction, you want to think about how you are influencing the emotional aftertaste of your interactions. Mm. right? Every day, think about it. How can I influence the emotional aftertaste for the person at the mailbox that I was talking to? And that happens by thinking of an emotion you would love for them to feel by the time they leave your presence. So that's the nugget of wisdom is be mindful of the emotional aftertaste that you're leaving behind as you're moving through this world mm-hmm. because it matters. It matters.
1: Yes. It has a ripple effect, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Yeah. Sylvia,
1: thank you so much for coming on today. I do want to just mention your book, I Dare to Care is your book and so you're an author as well and in a nutshell what does i dare to care what is the synopsis of that book
0: It's really just a challenge to all of us to say I dare you to care about using more emotional intelligence to inspire and influence people around you you know mm-hmm. because as Jim Carrey the comedian once said the effect you have on others is the most valuable currency there is and so my book is is just a call to action to say can you be that person who's enjoyable to be around as you're moving through this world? Can you be somebody who people think of as being emotionally intelligent? You Mm. know? Yeah, yeah,
1: totally. And those people typically we hold fondly in our hearts. We all hopefully have those people that have high emotional intelligence. And when we're around them, we just feel better about ourselves, right? Because they're, they're more balanced and tuned in. And there's probably a part of us that aspires to be more balanced and tuned in and feel accepted.
0: So. Yeah, and that's where the day comes in, right? Because it's work we have to do behind the scenes to become those kinds of people as well. You know.
1: Yes, totally, hundred and ten percent. Well, yeah. Sylvia, thank you so much for coming on the Bright Vibe podcast. I certainly enjoyed having you on today. And you know, now that you're a, a member of the family, anytime you'd like to come on and visit and share anything you know that's happening new in your world or have some ideas that you'd love to share, I'd love to have you back on.
0: I would love that, and it's been a privilege to to be on your show and. Hopefully your listeners will get some value out of it. But I hope we'll connect again very soon.
1: Thank you for being a part of the Bright Vibe podcast. For more information, go to brightvibe.com. That's B-R-I-T-E-V-I-B-E ecom com. Thank you for listening.